Occasionally, I go away uh, on personal retreats. And on these personal retreats, I'm usually alone and uh, sit in a room. And uh, the, I just recently went away for about a day and a half. And uh, it was a, a retreat place, but not necessarily a Christian place. And so I sat down uh, to eat with the people, and we talked. And I got into a conversation with a young man. And uh, actually, he wasn't so young. He was, he was older than me. And, um, and I'm not a young guy anymore, that's for sure. And so he started to talk. And he was like, so, you know, so what do you do? And that's always a fun question for me to answer. Because it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. The, the conversation changes immediately once I tell people what I do. I, I got to a point where I was like, well, you know, I counsel people. <laughs> like, I, I give, like, I used to give, like, little aspects of my ministry just because I was like, you know, I'm a public speaker. Like, I do anything but say a pastor, because if you say a pastor, you get, oh, boy. You never know what you're going to get. But, but I was feeling saucy, so I was like, yeah, I'm like a Baptist minister. And, um, and, uh, and so we, we, we started to talk. And he told me, he told me something that I heard from so many people throughout the years about his take on spirituality. You see, from his perspective, his take on spirituality was that all religions are really the same. There's no difference between them. They're all just really the same. In fact, what he believed was that Jesus was a master teacher. And he told me this. It's like Buddha and like Muhammad and like Confucius, he, that Jesus was a master teacher, and these other men, just like these other men, and how uh, all these other men uh, really pointed to the fact that all the religions are the same, uh, but just a little bit different on the fringes. Like in the core, they're the same. You know, I've heard that from so many people throughout my life, walking in Christ, I, you know, we had a good conversation. I was like, you know, I am so ready for this conversation. I've only had it like 200 times in my life. And so I shared with him what I think I'm going to be sharing with you today. And I know that there are some of us here right now who that's exactly what you believe. You believe that all religions are basically the same at the core. They're a little bit different on the fringes. In fact, interestingly enough, that's what I used to believe. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised uh, in a religious family. I wasn't raised believing, uh, knowing the Bible or anything like that. I, I essentially came to Christ in my early 20s out of desperation. And honestly, I came to Christ not as a person who like, was gung-ho, I can't wait to find out more about Jesus, but I came kind of kicking and screaming. In fact, in my late teens and early 20s, if you said, hey, you know what you're going to do for the rest of your life? I'd have said, man, you got to show me where you cop because <laughs> I want me some of that. Like, there's no way. And, and yet, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you some truth. But we've been in a series, and it's called God Never Said That. And basically what we've been trying to do in the series is share with you um, some things that we all, many of us believe that are from the Lord, but that God never said, and that's not from the Lord at all. 
And so wh what we're trying to do is we're trying to help you grow in love with Jesus. Interestingly enough, all of my um, Bible teaching history has been trying to teach you what God says, and yet in these four weeks I've been trying to teach you what God doesn't say. And today we're going to talk about, it's the last week in the series, we're going to talk about uh, 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 it doesn't matter what you believe so long as you're sincere. Now, let me tell you what's wrong with that thinking. Now, of course, by the way, let me just give some disclaimers. I'm a Christian, right? Where, where are we? Anybody know? Like, we're, we're, we're with a congregation of believers, right? I'm a, I just told you I'm a Baptist minister. So you can only imagine what take I'm going to take on this, right? Obviously, I'm biased. But the information that I'm going to share with you didn't come from a biased place. It came from a place of me really honestly searching when I had no idea who God was. And so I, I hope that if you're on the fence about Jesus, um, that you would find something that you hear today uh, that makes you desire Christ. Now, if you have a good argument against the church, I have no defense. You know what the church actually believes? That we're so bad. Like, if you ever met a Christian, you know what we believe? We're so bad that Jesus had to die in order for us to have a relationship. He had to pay. That's how bad we are. So if you found hypocrites, it's no wonder you found them in a church. This is the largest collection of hypocrites you'll find in a long time. In fact, if you think that the whole church is nothing but hypocrites, is good news. We've got room for one more. You're welcome to come along. Because we know we are. We know we're mess-ups. We know we're hypocrites. We know we're... Listen, if you have an argument against the church, I have no defense. If you have an argument against me, I have no defense. I am far worse than I let on. Honestly, I, I dress up real nice, but I'm not a good person. Not at all. If you have an argument for any of the... Listen, I'm not making an argument for the church, for me. I'm not making an argument for our how. What I am saying is I want to point you to Jesus. And I want you to see in him is a beauty you can't even imagine. Amen. So I've heard this argument about uh, Jesus, uh, about religions. There, you know, it just doesn't matter uh, what you believe so long as you're sincere. And I can't tell you how, how wrong that is. I had a conversation. The guy that I talked to, I had a conversation with him um, for like an hour, and, and I, I was the one who had to leave. They had like, uh, anybody ever have like vegetarian like tacos or anything like that? Well, I guarantee you after an hour, you have to go to the bathroom after you have the vegetarian tacos. So I couldn't stay long enough to have the long conversation with him, but I did talk with him for an hour. And I sh as I shared with him, I didn't tell him this part, but I'll tell you that it's completely false to believe that... Um, it doesn't matter what you believe, so long as you're sincere. Because belief doesn't create anything. Truth does. For instance, if you and I were in a car, and I said, put on your seatbelt, and we both put on our seatbelt. And let's say I only had 1% belief that my seatbelt could actually support me if an accident came uh, if, if an accident came, and you were sitting next to me, and you said, 
I don't believe in seatbelts. Seatbelts are just to control people. That's just the thing that people do in order to be controlled. I don't believe in seatbelts. Me? I will put on this wet noodle. And you put on a wet noodle. And you tell me, how much faith do you have in your seatbelt? And I go, gosh, not much. Just like 1% or 2%. And, and you tell me, you know what? That shows how much you know. I have 100% faith in my wet noodle. And we drive down the, you know, the street, and I drive the way I drive, right? And so we get into an accident, and you go through the window at like 40 miles an hour. Why? Why? Because sincerity doesn't make true. You could be 100% sincere, and you could be 100% sincerely wrong. Now, this might come across as offensive, and I'm trying to speak in such a way that I'm not, I, 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 I'm not trying to be offensive here. I'm just trying to say, listen, if you think, if you're 100% sure that you're getting on a plane that's going to Florida, you're 100% sure, except this plane is going to Indonesia. You will have to learn a new culture because, because it doesn't matter how sincere you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is, is it true what you believe? See, Christians don't believe that faith saves you. Christian believes that in Christ he saves you through faith. See, it's the object of our belief, not the amount of sincerity that we hold. In fact, in fact, this is so profound that over and over and over, Jesus told those who would listen to him that there's only one way to God. Now, I want you to, I want you to hear this. This is so powerful. It's found in... Uh, I get there. It's found in John 14, 6. Jesus is speaking and he says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can I share with you a problem that I had with that verse before I came to Christ? My problem was, is that, isn't that so narrow? Like, isn't that just as narrow-minded as you could possibly be? Isn't that arrogant saying that you have a right take on spirituality? It's so arrogant for you to say that yours is the only way. There's two things that I would answer to that. The first thing is I would say simply truth by definition is narrow. Here's what I mean. If you, if you take a test and your teacher is marking your test, and the, one of the questions is two plus two, how many numbers are there in the world? Well, there's an infinite numbers of the world. You can't, like, right, you, whatever number you tell me, I'll tell you one more. There's, there's just as many numbers. But the only right answer for two plus two is four. That's not narrow, it's just true. There's, in America, right, I know that some, of, uh, some people are listening from Europe and different parts of the world. In America, we drive on the right-hand side of the road. Now, 
you could go, that is so narrow. I should be able to drive on whatever side of the road I want. Go ahead. All I'm saying is that doesn't end well. Truth, by definition, is narrow. Now, let me also say, and this is really, really important, everyone's narrow. Everyone. Everyone is exclusive. You go, no, 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 no. I believe that all religions are the same. Well, then you exclude me because I don't believe that all religions are the same. Everyone is exclusive. Everyone thinks that their take on spirituality is the right take. So when I come up to a person and I say, no, the only way, uh, the only way to God is in Jesus Christ. And they say, no, 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 you can go through any religion. What they're saying is that their spiritual view, their take on spirituality is superior to my take on spirituality. That's narrow. And what, so what I'm saying, is it narrow? Sure it is, but by definition, tru uh, uh, truth is narrow. Secondly, if you're going uh, to throw that rock at me, be careful because I throw the same one at you. You're just as narrow as I am. Whatever you believe, even if you say all people, all religions are the same, my response is then you exclude all the people who believe that that's not true. That's a different take on spirituality. Another thing that people say is, you know what, here's the deal. The problem is, is that spirituality, knowing God, it's kind of like an elephant. Imagine four blind men around an elephant. And, you know, one blind man is touching his stomach. And he says, oh, oh. Uh, and imagine, like, the elephant is God, right? And he's, try he's trying to describe the elephant. And he goes, oh, an elephant, an elephant is like a wall. Because he's touching his belly. It's like huge. It's, it's like a wall. And then another touching his leg says, no, 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 no. Uh, an elephant is like a tree. And you go, oh. And, and then you go, another guy goes, oh, no, 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 no. He's touching his trunk. And he says, no, no, no. An elephant is like a, a large snake. And so these, these blind men are looking at the elephant. And the, the person who says, you know what? Religion is like that. Christianity, you have a little bit of truth because you can only see as much as you can see. Buddhism, you have a little bit of truth because you can only see what you can see. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to understand that not, all, you know, that not everybody believes like you. And initially, when you hear that, you go, wow, that's a really humble take on spirituality. That is such a humble view. But the fact is, is it's an incredibly arrogant view. You go, why, why would you say that that's an arrogant view? Simple. The only way that illustration works is if you're the one who sees the whole elephant. You're telling me that all the world's religions are blind and they only, they only feel part of the elephant. But the only way that illustration works is if you see the whole elephant to tell them that they're blind and that they're touching, you know, that... See how arrogant that is? It's madness. And yet, we believe it, we absorb it, even within our church. There are people who just, you grew up thinking this is true. 
And you go, these are the fine-sounding arguments. The other thing, my friend who I was sitting across, man, I'm praying for that guy. I was just praying for that guy yesterday. I'm praying that the seeds that were sown in that conversation would produce great fruit. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. All religions are the same in the core, but they're different just on the outside surfaces. And our problem is, is that we focus on the outside surface. It's not the same. But in the core, we're all the same. I was like, really, what is that core? He goes, love. I go, you must not know other religions. That's madness. The core of the Buddhist belief system are principles. They have no God to speak of. The core of Islam is their faith in Allah a monotheistic God. So we have Buddhists who don't believe in God, Muslims who have one God, Hindus have a multiplicity of God, gods, millions of gods, and they're a little capricious. In fact, Buddhism is birthed out of a rebellion of Buddha from Hinduism, the rejection of the Vedas. So, the very foundation of Buddhism is against, or not, con- or not against, but it's contra Hinduism. Think about this. See, the fact is, is on the fringes, there's some similarities. But at the core, they're completely different. Utterly different. We could say that all the religions in the world are wrong, but they can't all be right. It's not possible. And so when we come to this subject, I want you to know that we come at it with a sound mind, with eyes wide open, ready to view the facts. But I'm, I'm, listen, nothing up my sleeve. By the end of the service, and it's not going to be long now, by the end of the service, I'm going to be asking you into a relationship with Christ. I'm going to say, surrender to the one who went as far as he could for you. Then the last objection that I'll deal with in this section of our talk is why only one way? Why only one way? Why do we have this one thing? Why is it so just one way? And Ravi, Ravi Zacharias said something that was very powerful. He said, the human heart is so wicked that if God made a million ways to get to him, we would ask and shake our fists at him and say, why not a million and one? That's our heart is wicked. Because let's see. Let's see how narrow this is. Rich or poor, educated or dumb, skinny or heavy, wise or foolish, young or old, nationalities don't matter, nothing matters. Listen, we all come to Christ in the same way. We bring our nothing. That's how we all come to Christ. We don't come with a pedigree. We don't. How much more fair can you get? God goes, you're all wicked, every one of you. Pastor first, you're all wicked. So wicked, in fact, that I'll die. I'll pay the penalty. I'll 
live the life that you should have lived and die the death that you deserve to die. I'll do that all for you. And all you have to do is receive me. See, all you need, all you need to come to Christ and experience salvation, all you need is nothing. Unfortunately, for some of us, that's the one thing we don't have. We want to come to God based on our merits. We've got something to bring to God. And God is going, no, 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 you don't understand. It's like, you know what we are? We're like a kid. You know, if you've, I don't know if you've ever done this or if your kid has ever done this. Like you go camping or something and, you know, he comes back and it's like, especially, you know, right, he'll come back and he'll go to his mom and he'll say, look, ma, and it's a frog in his hand. Look, ma, and a frog, right? And you're like, no, that's so great. Drop the frog, (laughs) right? You know, it's like, you know, a kid who comes with a snake. Look, isn't this great? Yeah, this is great. Drop this. That's how we are coming to God. We think that we're bringing God these great works, and God is going, no, 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 no. You have to bring your nothing. But you say, no, 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 you don't understand. Nothing is not what I have. I have things to bring you. I have things to impress you with. I'm a good person, we say. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. And God goes, no, you're not. Good night. Ask your ex. Even they know. So I want you to consider Jesus. And here's the three things that I want you to consider very briefly. First, and if you're taking notes, um, by the way, guys, uh, for some of you who've been around, this, ver- this message is a review. You're like, oh man, yeah, that was true. Thanks for reminding me. And for some of you, it's brand new information. And for others of you, I prayers that you would come to Christ. But I want you to consider Jesus. And the first thing I want you to consider is to consider the ministry of Jesus. You have a, inside your bulletin, you have what we call a sermon map. You can write in them and fill in the blanks. The one thing that I would ask you to fill in is ministry. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Mark 2, 16 and 17 says this. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors... They asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That to me is amazing. Jesus didn't come for those who think that they have it all together. That's why the church is such a mess, and we celebrate that. Because when you, met, when, you, when you come to a church and it's a mess and you find someone who's, a, who's bitter and someone who's a hypocrite and someone who's this, you go, oh my gosh, Jesus calls everyone to himself. There's even room for me. There's even room for me. And so Jesus has come for the sick, not for the well. That means that your sin is no match for God's grace. Your sin is no match for Jesus' love. Your sin is no match for Christ's sacrifice. It's an amazing thing. It's a glorious thing. He comes, and you go, what, are you trying to say, I'm sick? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're saying. And you go, well, I'm insulted. I go, listen, listen, listen. 
if you go to the doctor and he says, come in, I got some results for you. And he says, you have cancer. You don't go, how dare you? Do you know who you're talking to? That would be absurd, wouldn't it? Because in finding out the truth, you can then go towards a solution. So it is with Christ. Christ doesn't mix words. He goes, you're sick. But you're more than sick. You're sinful. No, no, no. I'm a really good person. I'm a, I teach you know, kindergarten. I, you know, I go to a great university. I, I do volunteer work in different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I get it. I get it. You're sick. You're, you're full of sin. No, 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 I'm, I'm not, no, no, really, you are. You are. And so God says that to us, and he doesn't just say that to you, he says it to me. And it's in us seeing, oh, wow. That means if God is coming at the sick, those who give him nothing, then the good news is he gives us everything, and we owe him everything. We can ask him. We can demand of him nothing. Your attending church doesn't make him your debtor. Your reading the Bible doesn't make him your debtor. God comes to the sick. Aren't you glad? Secondly, I want you to consider. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. This is huge. Peter says in Acts chapter 3, Peter is preaching. I love this. You know why I love uh, Acts chapter 3 when Peter is preaching? Because just before that, just like about a month before that, a little bit over a month, Peter blows it with Christ in the worst possible way, denying Christ in his time of desperate need, totally turning his back on Jesus. Leaving him for dead, literally. And yet Jesus goes, I got a job for you, Pete. I want you to do something for me. And so Peter is preaching his heart out. And oh my, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing talk. And he says this. <laughs> and if you think I'm offensive, imagine his audience hearing this. I just called you sinners and sick. He's calling them murderers. All right, so here he goes. Peter says, you killed the author of life. How do you like that in your sermon? Try, try bowling that over in your next talk. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Now, there's an argument that says this. No, you don't understand. People have believed all throughout history that their religion is true. In fact, those who flew airplanes into the World Trade Center, they believed that their religion was so true, they flew the plane into the World Trade Center. So just because you believe something doesn't make it true. And my argument is the apostles. See, the apostles died telling people that Jesus was raised from the dead. Think about this. The apostles did not die for what they believed. The apostles died for what they witnessed. That's a different thing altogether. 
Because when you say you witnessed something, there's either one of two things. You've either witnessed it or you're lying. So let's look at these. People go, well, they were lying. Clearly they were lying. Now here's the thing that I know about human nature. I've been a pastor for a long time, and this is what I've discovered about lying. This is very important. There's only two basic reasons. There's more, actually. But there's two fundamental reasons why we lie. Do you know what they are? One is to gain a pleasure. The other is to avoid a pain. Right? That's why we lie. We gain a pleasure or avoid a pain. Right? You're 16 years old. She asks you, do you love me? (laughs) What are you trying to do? You're trying to gain a pleasure. Right? So what do you do? Till the end of time. <laughs> you and I both know that the end of time is next week, but we say till the end of time, gain a pleasure. Undercover police officer rolls up. He says, were you in that building? Psh, not me. <laughs> you have me confused with someone else. I have no idea from which you, you speak. I am on my way to church. Three o'clock in the morning, I want to get there early. (laughs) What are you trying to do? You're trying to avoid a pain, aren't you? Let's look at the apostle's lie if it was a lie. Did they gain a pleasure? What worldly wealth did they gain? None. In fact, they lost. Did they avoid a pain? What, What pain did they avoid? None. They were given multiple opportunities to recant. Thomas was in, you had apostles who were beheaded. Peter, crucified, upside down, because at at his request, telling his guards that he didn't feel worthy to be killed in the same manner as Christ. Had another apostle torn in four. Could you imagine? Horse tied to one arm, another horse tied to another arm, another horse tied to a leg, another horse tied to a leg. Will you recant? He's Jesus. He rose from the dead and he'll raise me from the dead too. Giddy up. The apostles, you can't miss this point. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is either the most stupid thought that any group of people ever had that cost them not only their wealth, their lives and their reputations, or is absolutely true. Now, here's the thing. I could see, if you have 11 guys saying that this is what we witnessed, I could see. But the Bible says that there's not only those 11 guys, but another 500. This, was, this wasn't done privately. Another 500 people in Corinthians, it says, saw the risen Christ. Now, take that, but let's just, let's just go back to those 11. Here's what I know, right? Because I've, I haven't always been a pastor. I have a little bit of a checkered past. I've done some, you know, slightly illegal things, right? Not real illegal, but just slightly. could be perceived as illegal. And here's what I know. Your boys, they will say, do you, does anybody else discovered this? Your boys will say, yo, man, I ain't no snitch. <laughs> I know, I know. 
You ain't no snitch until they put pressure on you. Here's, I, was, I was driving up, I was speaking at a men's retreat. And, and so you know how like when you get into like one of those cars and you try to outbad everyone, right? You know, like one guy tells his checkered pass and you go, you think that's bad? You know, so one guy is like a drug dealer. By the time you get to the last guy, somebody tried like an assassination plot on Obama or something like that. You know, it's like one of those car rides. So we're driving up. And, you know, one guy's doing the bad thing. And one guy is sharing his bad story. He goes, no, I actually only have one story, you know, one bad story. He goes, I was trying to scalp tickets, and, and uh, it didn't go well. You know, the guy who I scalped into was a police officer. I was only, uh, like, 14 or 15 years old. And he said, listen, I need you to, we're going to let you go. You just got to tell us who's scalping around here. And he's like, yo, I ain't no snitch. Take me to jail. He's like, well, you're only 14 years old, so we're going to have to call your mother first. He was like, that guy right there, Fernando, is this? He just he started to roll over on everyone. It was like, you see, I've never met them, but they look like they're scalping. You should check up on them. You see that old? He was giving everybody away. You know what? Like, now watch this. That's true, right? That's, everybody understands that, right? But you get 11 guys in separate situations. And it's, let's say it's a lie. And they got to know it's a lie because they're saying it's a wit they're witness to it. And not one guy recant? You got to explain that to me. You got to explain, you have to have a better explanation than Jesus rose from the dead. You go, oh no, they had a hallucination. All 11 of them? <laughs> At the same time? Like, there's no, and, and some, of, some of us have taken drugs where you can actually have that sort of thing. But even when you do, even when you do, not everyone has it. Nobody. You've never had a hallucination that the next person next to you had. You've just never had that. I'm looking at some of you as, well, maybe a couple of you had. But <laughs> not 11 people. Not 11 people. That's funny. That is funny. Um, but it's not 11 people. It can't happen. It's, you see, it's a preposterous explanation. It's ridiculous. The only explanation is that Jesus rose from the dead. And so here's all I'm saying. If, if the dead guy raises from the dead, believe everything. Anything that the dead guy says, believe. The dead guy rose from the grave. They're witnesses. They didn't die because of what they believed. They died because of what they said they witnessed. And that makes it different from every other religion in the world. Many people have died for what they believed. But we don't have one account of a group of people dying for what they witnessed. That was false. We don't have one in history. Thirdly, I want you to consider the eternal message of Jesus. We are made right. Uh, Romans 3.22 says this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You know what? In this church, in this church right now, presently, sitting in this room, we have homeless and doctors. We have lawyers and addicts. We have young and old. We have people who speak English as their first language and people who barely speak English. 
in this congregation is proof that anyone can come to Christ. Anyone can have a thoroughgoing relationship with Jesus. In this room, there's a person who is serving God with all of his heart, who's an inspiration to those he works with, who is shooting heroin in his neck. In this room, there are people who have fantastic um, scholarly works. And they've bowed the knee to Jesus. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God can do it for you. He brought you here to remind you that you too can know Christ. And you go, nah, man, I don't want to. Why? Why? Why would you say that? Like, what, what part of Jesus loving you so much, he's willing to die for you, what part of that is offensive to you? What part of him washing away all of your guilt What part of him taking away all of your shame? What part of him creating a place for you in heaven so that you could have an eternity with him even after you die here on earth? What part of that is grossly offensive to you? The gospel, it's for you. Don't deny the love of Christ. Don't turn from it. You go, but you don't understand what I've done. No, didn't you hear what I said before? Your sin is no match for God's grace. It's no match. There's, like, there's no competition. Beloved, come to Christ. So, in about a minute and a half, I'm going to ask you to stand. Those of you who have never received Christ, I'm going to ask you to stand for the first time. It's going to happen in about a minute and a half. Now, every demon in hell is going to want, make you not want to stand but I want to encourage you to stand. And when you stand, here's what I mean by when you stand. What I'm asking you to do is stand, and your standing will be a demonstration, a public demonstration saying, I am associating myself with Christ. I am asking him to forgive my sins, and I'm receiving his righteousness. That's what it means to receive Christ. It's a great exchange. You give him all of your grimy, and he gives you all of his righteousness. Not a bad trade. You go, but I'm a good person. Again, I thought we got through this. You're not a good person. We've done this before. Listen, let me ask you something. Have you ever lied? Have you ever lied? Ever? Think about that in your own mind. Have you ever lied? Sure, sure, sure. What does that make you? Anybody know? It's a liar. You're a liar. Have you ever, have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you? Anybody? Yeah? Take maybe a pen, maybe a paper clip. I don't know. Right? Maybe your brother's, you know, sneakers, whatever. You know, right? Have you taken anything that doesn't belong to you? Right? What does that make you? A thief. A thief. Have you ever looked lustfully at another person? The Bible says that if you look lustfully at another person, you've committed adultery already. So could you imagine going before a holy God and you're, you know, you've died and he's going, God is like, why should I let you into my heaven? And you're going, because I'm a good person. And listen, he goes, dude, you're a lying, thieving adulterer. <laughs> the reason that we think we're good is because we com- always compare ourselves to somebody who's worse. See, when you compare yourself to me, you turn out pretty good. But when you compare yourself to a holy, perfect God, We're not so good. 
were lying, thieving, adulterers at heart. Beloved, come to Christ. Don't deny him. Now, listen, some of you think, oh, man, but the people sitting next to me, if I stand up, I'll be embarrassed. Are you kidding me? Christ went to the cross and experienced nails, was crucified buck naked. The TVs um, give a little bit of modesty by giving him that. Believe me, that was not had there. He was naked on the cross, dying because he loved for you. Surely you could stand in receiving him. The gospel is simply this. You're worse than you think. And you're more loved than you can imagine. Don't be shocked at how bad you are. You're worse than that. And he loves you more than you can imagine.